Hello everyone, this is Anne Pomovil with the Pomovil Report, and this is a brand new podcast on the RSS feeds. I have a news feed on Twitter, uh, you can find me there at the hashtag below, and I have a news blog, both, well, one isn't very recent, it's about six months old. Uh, the other one is brand new, just a few days ago, and now I'm attempting to do a podcast with subpar equipment and a terrible microphone, so I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> so I selected my first topic today to be clarity in journalism, and I'm going to be talking a little bit, or actually a lot, because I do talk a lot. I'm going to be talking about clarity in journalism and a bunch of subjects that have really been coming up uh, this week and last few weeks and, you know, for quite some time in the news. I will be talking about Gaza and Israel. We'll be talking about uh, the January 6th insurrection. We'll be talking about COVID. We'll be talking about a whole lot of things. So I think first I want to get to the uh, the January 6th insurrection. Uh, when that first happened, I came out on, uh, on Twitter. Actually, I didn't start really doing any journalism until the George Floyd uh, protests. And I live in a little uh, postage stamp speck in the middle of the ocean. And... Even we had one, so I, that was the first time that I actually got out and uh, did something about that. When we look at the insurrection, of course, we cannot separate race from what happened uh, in January 6th. I think the first thing that got me upset when I was, when it just started unfolding and I was one of the folks that was just running around trying to you know, grab videos, go through every frame. I put up a bunch of screen caps that I took, even before the FBI had their site up. There was a lot of us doing that. Trying to ID people, going on Reddit, you know, scouring Reddit, you know, for people that were bragging or Breitbart. And uh, when the FBI started uh, with their databases, and then we had some great uh, people on Twitter, uh, Sedition Hunters, really comes to mind when I think of anybody on Twitter who was right on the ball with that. I think Unicorn Riot was good and still is good. They're my go-to for a lot of uh, the protests that are on the ground right where they're happening and in certain areas. They do a great job in reporting too as well. But as it was unfolding, the first thing that caught my eye was not the typical white Trump supporters. It was the people of color who were there. Uh, there were people who were, you know, black. There were folks who were Asian there. There was folks who were Hispanic there. There was, you know, all kinds of, of POC people there. And that, I think, was what really caught my attention. Because, I mean, you know, we expect Trump supporters to be there and we expect QAnon to be like that and we expect you know these folks to look a stereotypical way for me and my approach to journalism is I like to look for things that aren't stereotypical I like to look for people who are involved in the news that 
you wouldn't think would be involved in that particular subject matter that I'm talking about. So <clears throat> as far as the January 6th insurrection goes, I continue to be amazed that people of color uh, are following the narrative of QAnon and of the Trump cult, because it is a cult. And the speech that was given on January 6th, I was covering the speech, and then I got, uh, somebody posted, I think it was from Reddit, uh, the video of Trump and his family watching the insurrection, and Don Jr. saying, I forget which one it was, I can't tell who's safe from Kuse really, but, uh, he was watching it, and laughing and having a great time and then you have a gorilla foil they're very doing her little dance and hey you know I like to dance too I'm not gonna knock her for dancing I, you know she's got her style let her go I don't care but the overall feeling in the room was that of jubilation of joy of happiness of victory but I think I knew before that speech was over was when Rudy Giuliani got up and said, battle by combat, trial by combat. And my spidey senses went, oh, these guys are really going to do something stupid. Now, before January 6th, I had been putting up on my Twitter feeds, my news feeds, tons and tons of really threatening, really ominous tweets from a lot of websites on the web where people just have free-for-alls and say whatever they want to. Now, I mean, I'm the free press. I mean, I literally belong to a uh, journalism press association that pushes freedom of speech and freedom of the press. But early on, right when this happened, I made the distinction between that and hate speech and violent rhetoric and really just inciting an insurrection. I mean, I called it that long, long ago before the mainstream media did. And as it unfolded, when I was looking at things, I was looking for people that were standing out to me. And I was really taking a lot of pictures of those people and putting them up on my newsfeed a lot. And so far, almost every single person that stood out to me ended up being people who stood out also to the authorities and a lot of them now have been charged. What am I getting at? I'm getting at a really simple fact here is that trust your eyes. Trust what you can see. Turn off the volume on all of your social media and just watch the videos that are in front of you. Ignore the chirons. Ignore who's talking, no matter who it is, whether it's CNN or Fox News, just turn off the volume and watch. How can you say this guy is purple polka dot when obviously the sky is a bright, clear, brilliant blue with no clouds in it? What am I talking about? 
I'm literally trying to make the point that when we look at a split screen of somebody that is speaking from a Republican side in the halls of Congress or in some uh, uh, hearing, and they're saying something like, the insurrection was just some tourists, and then they've got a split screen going with people, you know, beating up on, on Officer Fatonone. Faton, I don't know how to say his name. Faton, Fatone. <laughs> I have a Polynesian tongue, so I have a Polynesian leaning tongue. So when I see it, to me, it, it says Fatone, Fatone, but Faton. Anyway, he's an amazing human being. When 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 Officer Faton was on, and I think he was on uh, John Lemon which is now, I guess, Don Lemon tonight, which, you know, I like the new change. Um, and I think Don did a really good job of treating him with dignity and respect, and you could tell just how difficult it was for him uh, to talk about it. He wasn't there for himself. He wasn't, he wasn't there to grandstand. He wasn't there for any other reason but just to humbly tell his story, and I think he did a very great job so I didn't even need the volume for that I turned it off I mean I watched it the first time with the volume then I watched it again without the volume and just watched him and how he spoke you know there was no he wasn't faking it he wasn't pretending he wasn't he was he was so genuine and then when you turn I I also watched the hearings and I turned the volume down on the individual who made the most ridiculous comment on the planet, which was there was just tourism there. If anyone knows what tourism is, I do. And I can tell you that was not tourism. Although I've seen some tourists behave like that. But that's another story. I turned the volume down on him as well. And when you watch him, his mannerisms, his shifting eyes, his, uh, you know, adjustment of his glasses, his deadpan delivery of whatever he was saying, because of course with the volume down, you can't hear. And then you have a split screen of the two of them together. You can't be a thinking human with a heartbeat and not see who is more genuine in that conversation. So. If you believe what Officer Fatoni went through, then how can you believe what was being said in that hearing? How can you believe what they are telling you with their words? Even on Fox News, when they show clips, they still show clips of the inspection, and then they yak and talk on top of it. I mean, it's the same way in all of the news programs. I'm not giving anybody a pass here, but. If you turn your, down your volume and you don't listen to what they're saying and then you look at their chirons, they're crazy. Now, I'm not going to say that anybody else's chirons aren't off either or kind of odd too sometimes, but the ones on, on some of these other programs claiming to be actual journalists, which I don't know where they got their journalism degrees from, certainly no planet in our solar system, you cannot deny the fact that the insurrection was an insurrection and that it was violent. And when we go there, 
you know, people will always say, well, you know, they shot a woman. And I said, yes. But wait a second. Aren't you the same people saying it was a shame that she got shot because she was just there? Well, everybody else says when George, George Floyd got killed, um, he was, you know, he was a victim of, of, of police violence, but that's okay because he was there when he shouldn't be in or, or Brown or anybody else who's been, you know, had that situation and encountered police and found themselves dead. Those were, according to a lot of you, that was okay. But the shooting of a woman who was in a crowd who was about to enter the uh, closed door hearings, well, they weren't closed door, but you know, they were in session to determine uh, certifying the election. Uh, and doors are being broken and windows are being shattered and police were being beaten up by mobs and, and yes, 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 yes. I can hear you already. But, 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 but BLM, but Antifa, and let's just go there for a minute. It is Antifa, not Antifa. We're not playing T. It is Antifa. And that's all I'm going to say with that right now. I mean, you had people claiming that people were dressed like Antifa. And, or they were Antifa dressed as, I'm sorry, they were Antifa dressed as Trump supporters. However, I put up evidence and video that I got from Reddit on my feeds showing two Trump supporters dressing in Antifa gear. And I followed them and they were the ones closest to that front door where everything was going on. And they were all just in black. And then they were the first one to break the window to make it look like Antifa. And then you had you know, conspiracy theory, journalism, television sites claiming that that was Antifa. Then recently, just recently, you have somebody get up there and say, you know, it wasn't Trump supporters. You're blaming Trump supporters. It was Trump supporters who died and not, you know, the other way around. Yes, there was a woman who was shot and killed by the Secret Service, or I'm not sure who it was, Secret Service or FBI, yeah, 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 I should have my ducks in a row. Hey, don't yell at me too much, it's my first podcast here. But the point I'm trying to make is, turn down the volume and open your eyes with regards to the insurrection. It was an insurrection. Trump supporters were there, they were violent, they were thugs, and they killed people, and they tried to do a lot more. So, you know, we all know all that information has come out. We know that people are, you know, going to prison for what they did, right? And rightfully so in that case, you know. But then there's the other side that says, well, you know, Antifa, you know, they have an ideology and, and they perpetuate violence. Well, I have news for you guys. A lot of the violence that has been attributed to Antifa was started by non-Antifa, dressed as Antifa, and they were, I think it was the Boogaloo boys who proudly got on Reddit and were very proud for what they did. And of course that they were caught and they went all over everywhere and everybody knew. 
So, you know, Antifa did not go to the Capitol, kill Capitol Police, and hurt a lot more. And, oh, and here's one more thing. Excuse me, but the people that went to the Capitol on January 6th smeared their you-know-what all over walls, floors, and everywhere. And it was up to the lowly janitors there to clean up the mess. Who claims to be a patriot and does that to the seat of government? You have to really hate your seat of government to do that. You have to really have uh, no respect for your government to do that. So those are some of my feelings on, on the current state of affairs with the insurrection and the refusal uh, to accept reality. And I think the 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 GOP, which I like to call the GQP, I have lots of names for it. You know, I voted for Republicans before. I live in a small regional area, and sometimes the Democrats in my area are not are more Republican, and sometimes the Republicans are more Democrat. It's a really weird place that I live in. It's usually not about party politics per se. It's really more about the personality and the person. I've always voted my conscience, but I am a pure liberal Democrat. But I'm not an extremist under any circumstances. I would not die for my political ideology. I certainly would not die for any president. I wouldn't have died for Obama. I'm certainly not going to die for Biden. Uh, and I'm not. I'm not a cultist. I'm not. I'm not somebody who joins cults. And if I if I did join a cult, I'd figure it out real fast and I'd leave real quick. I have no idea how this. I have no idea how this volume is going right now, so you're going to have to bear with me because it's really bad. Hopefully you can hear most of what I'm saying, though. So let's just put it all in perspective. The GOP is dead. It needs to either kick out its crazies or it needs to leave itself and needs to reorganize under a different name. Something of what I've always said is, why are they being allowed in states on their ballots? Ballots have, the states have the right to say if they will accept a political party on their ballot or not. And if you're going to accept the GOP as it stands now, then Antifa should have its own, its own political party too, right? Why not have the Boogaloo party? Why not have the Proud Boy party? Why not have the Trumplandia party? I mean, let's have some more parties. Who isn't for a good party? I am. Heck, let's have a lot of parties in the U.S. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm a big fan of just two-party system because I'm not, because I think that Americans should have a choice on what they do. And we'll get into that a little later because I know what your all your ears went, oh, choice, I don't want to wear a mask. <laughs> we'll go there in a minute. So let's dovetail off of this and go into another subject that seems to be heading in the same direction, and that is the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Um, 
I put up on my news blog my editorial line on it and I, I tried to end it all in a very high note because I put on there a video of a couple that have been married 80 years uh, listen to me my goodness 40 years and they were Israeli and Palestinian and just their life and all they had to go through I put up videos from uh, from ask it's, it's up there uh, go check it out my blog address is down below um, or they asked Palestinians you know what would you do if Israelis left the Gaza Strip and then they asked uh, Israelis mostly Hasidic uh, Jewish Jewish folks uh, would you make peace with Palestinians and it was very telling and when I look at the Hamas and IDF situation, I just see regular people caught in the middle who just want to have peace and live their lives. And now, of course, today we have Hamas um, firing back, and then we have the Israelis firing back. And what, what, what is caught in the middle is the, is the, the collateral damage of, of just humans. And what's even worse is People are going through a pandemic on top of a war. And why are we having war? Land disputes, religion, all of it in one. So when I take the situation of Israel and, and Hamas, Gaza, and I kind of superimpose that over our situation here in the United States, to me, uh, they marry each other we could very easily go in this direction. Absolutely. If the Democrats don't win the midterms in 2022, um, you know, the tr cult of Trump will have complete control of this country. And one thing that I have learned about Trump from the past four years is the man does what he says he's going to do. If Trump says, I'm going to paint the sky pink elephant polka dots. He'll do it. He'll do it. No matter how outrageous it is, he will jump off a cliff to make it happen, no matter how he has to make it happen, whether he needs to lie, cheat, steal, whatever he needs to do, he'll do it. Democrats, we're more pragmatic. You know, we don't expect our leader to do everything that we want. I mean, I'm not going to goose step for Biden. I love Biden. I, I voted for him. I think he's great. He's done so much for this country. But I disagree on him uh, taking a slow stand on ceasefires and peace negotiations in Israel and Gaza. Yeah, I don't believe in that. I'm not a fan of the new CDC uh, confusing uh, mask mandates because there is a whole other side to this, you know. And I'm not going to say I agree with it 100% because I don't. I would like to see better progress on the immigration issue. But I'm not throwing Biden out with the bathwater. I think Biden is going to go down in history as one of the best presidents we've ever had in this country. I think that he's empathetic. I think his wife is empathetic, for one thing. She doesn't wear jackets that say, I don't care to you. 
I know the jacket was supposed to be all about her and her feelings, but that's the point anyway. We have a more empathetic government. That is good enough for me. And whichever party is going to give that to me, that's the party I'm going to go with. And that's not the Republican Party. The Republican Party has become the polar opposite because they just have to be the opposite of whatever. So if the, if the Democrats say, hey, you know, this was an insurrection, um, we're going we're gonna to say it's not an insurrection, right? If, if the government is for Israel, we're going to say, no, we're for Hamas. <laughs> I mean, just whatever is the opposite. But you know what? There comes a point in time where you have to just be a logical human being and take politics out of things. Take politics out of the insurrection issue. Take politics out of the Israel and Hamas situation and religion while you're at it. Take politics uh, out of the COVID issue completely. You know? Just sometimes politics and religion, there's stuff that, that, that just supersedes all that. So while we're on that subject matter, let's talk about the world in general. The world in general, uh, the, disproportionate, the disproportionate living standards of some countries versus others. COVID has really delineated that. I cannot say that word. What is that? Delineate. My tongue can't go there. You know what I'm trying to say. Delineate. Delineate. There, I said it. Okay. Delineate. Delineate. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. You can just enjoy the fact that I don't have perfect command of any language, including English. <clears throat> so, not only have we uncovered the racial inequalities in our own country, which we always knew existed, but a lot of people just want to pretend it didn't. We've uncovered it worldwide, which we also already knew about, but we just want to pretend it didn't exist. But now we realize that with COVID, we depend on each other to stop the spread. So you have two camps. You've got one camp that says, let everybody die, do herd immunity. If they die, oh well, too bad. We're culling the herd. We're leaving the strongest to survive. And then there's the other side that says, every human life matters. We should save everybody. It's for the good of the planet. It's for the good of humanity. And then we can zoom that back in on the map and kind of zoom back down into every town USA where they're complaining about not enough people to work. Well, okay, you didn't want the immigrants. You didn't want to pay people good. You didn't care if they went to work or died or not. You forced people to, to serve other people who were going to spit on their face and not wear a mask. What did you expect? Okay, now we zoom back out to the bigger world. They're saying the same thing. COVID has caused a revolution in the world among humans who realize just how bad they really got it. I mean, up to now, a lot of people in the world have kind of been living like Adam and Eve without eating the apple off the tree and just thinking they lived in La La Land, you know, not realizing how bad they really had it and realizing that when COVID came around, they realized just how bad they had it. Or how good they had it, right? Now I live in a place where there's a lot of some of the richest people on the planet. And sometimes I see them do 
great philanthropic stuff, and other times I see them be totally tone deaf to stuff that's happening right in front of them. But they're all for stuff worldwide, but they can't see what's in front of them. So I'm going to conclude my very first podcast by saying that you need to look around you, right immediately around you, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your small towns, in your cities, in your state, in your country. Open your eyes and turn down the volume. And that is how we're really going to see the truth. Our eyes don't lie. And in that way, as journalists, we can also have clarity about journalism. To be a good journalist, in my opinion, is to give clarity to people, not to muddy the water. Give people something to think about. Give them a little light at the end of the tunnel and give them some hope. Yes, you can tell them, okay, I know that didn't come out, good. <laughs> yes, you can tell them that the, the sky is falling, but you also have to tell them that the, the sky will rise again. Clarity in journalism means not just talking about what came before and what is happening right now and how awful everything is, but how good it can be. That there's hope. But clarity in journalism also, it's important to point out what's going on around you that could hurt you, or that is wrong, or that is a lie, that will give them clarity. Well, I'm going to cut this off right at half hour. I wanted to go a little longer, but I, I'm not sure if you're all asleep yet or if you can even hear me. I know I sound 12 on a recording. But I hope you guys enjoyed this first podcast. Please check me out on my Twitter account. It's down there, TPR Breaking News, and on my blog spot, which is Free Press, the Panola Report. And I hope to see you soon on the next episode. See you later.